Surprise. Word of mouth becomes a lot easier uh, the, the more and more specialized you get. Uh, you know, when, when you're not specialized, word of mouth is extremely difficult because, you know, people are, you know, they, they're trying to solve a million problems every day and your problem number a million and one. And so word of mouth doesn't spread. That's my guest, Matt Kraus, talking about the relationship between narrowing your focus and word of mouth, which for him has driven huge profitability gains in his small business. I need to start with a caveat. You are going to think that I have paid an actor to get on the show and advocate for narrowing your focus. What you're going to hear Matt say lines up with everything I think you've ever heard about the benefits of narrowing your business focus. What, what to me is really amazing about Matt's story is how minuscule his initial market was. It was six, he narrowed his focus to the point where his target market was six companies. You heard right, six potential clients in the niche that he narrowed down to. In this interview, Matt talks about the mental and emotional blocks that you have to get through to pull off something like this and the dramatic upside that he's actually seen from doing it. One such benefit is word of mouth. I'm paraphrasing here, but Matt says the first question now out of a prospective client's mouth is, when can you start? That is uh, very different than where he and all of the rest of us started out with, uh, where we were probably essentially begging for work. Of course, uh, Matt still has to qualify clients to see if they're a good fit, but the uh, cost of sale and the difficulty of making a sale is now dramatically easier and less costly for him. I'm Philip Morgan. This is the Consulting Pipeline podcast where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. Well, hi there, Matt. Um, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Matt Krauss, and I am a Californian who lived many years in Washington State, and now I live in Istanbul, Turkey, and I do presentation and communications training here. That's uh, awesome and interesting. I'm. I, what is? Can you kind of break down what presentation and training is? Uh, like, what does that look like for your clients? What do you help them do? Uh, what, uh, what, what we work with, uh, uh, the kind of the niche that we found over the past couple of years is working with uh, finance companies like, you know, banks and investment portfolio companies, insurance companies. And uh, our main job is to... I, I call it uh, uh, taking the negative and turning it into a positive. So, uh, you know, the uh, the client will, you know, they'll they'll kind of when they're when they're talking to their audience, when they're talking to you know to investors or to to their clients, mm -hmm. they'll 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 frame an issue in kind of a negative way. The the words that they use come across as kind of negative. They build up sales rep, sales resistance instead of uh, you know excitement in the client, and uh -huh. so our job is to is to help them frame the issue so that so that the issue will be received more uh, more more positively. That's that's the kind of the 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 higher level problem that we solve. The you know the the lower level tools that we use are the the basic tools of, of presentation training, and those are you know things like. Uh, uh, you know, make eye contact, body language, uh, you know, PowerPoint skills, stuff like that. So there's the, there's the low level work and there's the higher level work. Gotcha. Okay. So you have a, a pretty clear idea of, you know, who you're going after, going after in terms of your, your clients. Was it always yeah. that way or, or was that a process that, getting to that point? Oh, it, it was it was definitely a process. It was it was absolutely not always that way. Uh, 
uh, about we, we, we uh, my, my business partner and I, my, my business partner is a, a, a Turk named, named Alperin. He, uh-huh. he, he and I, we started uh, working together about, uh, uh, about two and a half years ago. And, uh, uh, and we were basically just, working for, for anybody who would hire us. Uh, okay. and, and, and we were working for, uh, you know, the much lower, uh, market rates and the, the competition was much stiffer. And we did some work, uh, for, uh, some manufacturing companies. We did, uh, some work for, uh, uh, we did some work for, uh, consumer products companies, you know, like, you know, companies selling toothpaste and mouthwash and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then, then we did some, some work for, I, we even did work for, uh, you know, some software designers, uh, at one point. So, so yeah, we, we would basically work for, for anybody who would give us money. Uh, and that, that was as of a couple of years ago. And, and were you doing the same kind of services, presentation training services? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, uh, one, one thing that, you know, we, we found, uh, as we uh, specialized more, we and we we started. You know, when when you specialize more, you can you can charge more, and and you begin playing in a, a field that has a whole lot less competition, and your offering becomes much less commoditized. Uh, and uh, what we just kind of uh, accidentally fell into that. Uh, I have a. a kind of a, a natural uh, affinity for people who work in finance. And I don't know why it's been that way, or it, it's been that way for, you know, all of my adult life. And, and I don't, I don't know why it's that way, but it just kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that came along as, as we, as we tried to, as we wanted to get more, more specialized and to charge higher rates and stuff for, uh, for, for our more specialized work, since I have that natural affinity for people in the finance industry, that's just kind of where we where we landed for our, for our more specialized work. Okay, I want to come back and at, at that same part of your story in, in more depth because you're making sure. it you're making it sound easy. Um, uh. And maybe it was it, it's, easy, it's, but uh... it's, it's 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 not easy at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we'll we'll come back to that in a little more depth. I okay. want to know uh, first, though, how did you get started working for yourself? I got started working for myself. Uh, it was actually it was it was uh, twelve or thirteen years ago, uh, and my very first working for myself project was to import a container of galvanized wire, (laughs) (laughs) import a container of galvanized wire that was used for farmers in California. uh, And the container of galvanized wire was from China. And so, so that was my, uh, my, my, (laughs) my, my background for, for phase one of my career was, getting stuff made in Asia and importing it into the U S. And so that's kind of how I, I ended up uh, with that being my, my first uh, self-employed gig. And then I, uh, that didn't work out as a long-term business. (laughs) 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 That didn't work out. And then uh, I tried at least one, two, three other businesses and they didn't work out. uh, And, uh, and, this one, you know, knock on wood, seems to be going well, much, much better than the others, uh, knock on wood. Wow. Uh, there's a couple things that are funny about that first business because sure. um, I assume when you say a container, you mean like a shipping container. You know, yeah, okay. yeah, a, a, a 20-foot ocean shipping container, yeah. Okay, right. So the other thing that's funny about it is I, I think the, the most common, uh, like, fake business is import-export, at least in movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I was... For many years, I was. Do you remember uh, Art Vandelay from uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. the show, TV show? For I, for many years, I was uh, an Art Vandelay. 
I think uh, that in the back of my head, that's probably what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a what a great start. So, um, how did you you know how did you get from there to um, to training? I assume pretty high level people within an, your clients' yeah. organizations. How do you get to training that kind of person? How to give a presentation? Uh, the, uh, the 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 training that we do is 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 mostly with the. Uh, CEOs are our, our, kind of our niche is the CEOs of uh, publicly traded uh, financial institutions. Okay. And um, so, so how I, how I, what, what I was doing before that was. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm, I'm going to, sure. with apologies for the people listening. Um, sure. That's a combination really of an audience. Uh, so CEOs are, are not a market vertical per se. They're sure. more a group of people who have something in common in that yeah. they, you know, they have the same kind of job. So that, that's an audience combined with a market vertical, which mm-hmm. would be, you know, finance or some, some segment of finance. So I'm just saying that for yeah. the benefit of listeners, you have, that's a pretty narrow focus. Um, and we'll yeah. come back to that. Um, you know, you've already kind of hinted at some of the benefits of that kind of narrow focus. Anyway, you were saying how, how you ended up <laughs> with such a specific focus. I'll, 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 I'll uh, get into that, how I ended up there in, in a second. But cool. uh, uh, I, I want to, whenever you, you decide to come back to the subject later, I would, I, uh, uh, the, uh, the, I, 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 I'm a, a huge believer in the a very wide world that opens up to you when you begin just this insane level of uh, specialization. So, so when you come back to that subject, uh, that's a very rich vein of, that I can tap into. So I love cool. to get on that subject. But uh, right. you asked me, you asked me how I how I got into the the business, and right. and uh, uh, so. Um, Business number three, I think, uh, was uh, some some years ago, and I, 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 you know, I was I was living in Istanbul, and and I was just I, I I had closed business number two, and I was looking for for something to do for business number three, and people had been telling me, you know, for years, oh, you should you should teach some English, you should should teach some English, and I had been I had been resisting that, uh, for years, resisting that idea. And so, but, 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 you know, I was kind of, I was at, I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought, okay, well, finally, I'm going to break down and I'll teach some English. And, and so I, uh, I hung out my, my shingle, uh, as an English teacher and, uh, you know, it's, uh, teaching English, uh, is, is a pretty, uh, commoditized service. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of competition, and and the competition comes from pretty much any you know 22 year old kid with a backpack who's traveling around the world and is a native speaker of of English. So right, right. Uh, it, and uh, but but I I hung out uh, hung out my my shingle as as an English teacher and, and as a freelance you know one on one private lessons, and because uh, because. Uh, my background is in supply chain and finance. Uh, I have my, my professional background is in supply chain and finance. Uh, I I started to attract those kinds of clients because you know there are very few people who who can address that that need. Mm-hmm. And there are very few people who can, can who can speak that language, and um, so I just kind of attract started to attract people in that niche. And and since uh, uh, since uh, since at the time I think I was thirty six years old, so I you know I had uh, you know fourteen years on the you know college graduate backpacker. And so I had 14 years of, of professional work experience. So I was attracting, uh, you know, cl- like, cl- like-minded clients. Uh, and because I was attracting like-minded clients or, you know, clients who are a little further along in their careers. Mm-hmm. And because I was offering a specialized service, I learned that I, I could charge higher than the average. So I started charging higher than the average. And, uh, 
and 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 it just kind of one thing led to another and uh uh those those people uh you know they they work for the people who work for the people they work wait so my clients worked for the people who were the or wait, they worked for the people who worked for the CEOs. Uh-huh. And so then, then I started working for, uh, for the people who worked for the CEOs. And then I started working for the CEOs and, uh, uh, and at each step along the way, I needed to become, uh, more knowledgeable about the subject. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also, uh, one thing that I found, I'm just kind of going to go off now on the on the specialization uh, subject. Mm-hmm. One thing that I found in, in specializing is that uh, uh, specializing. Uh, if, first of all, it, it's 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 extremely uh, challenging and creative work. Uh, you know, one of the the concerns that I've read about uh, in in specializing is, and one of the concerns that I had uh, also. Was that uh, as you become more and more specialized, you do the same thing over and over, and, and it gets boring. And that is totally not not true at all. Uh, mm. it, it actually, uh, w- when you begin specializing, you will probably be learning a lot of stuff that you didn't even know existed. Um, you know. Uh, the, the the people that I work with, you know, they've been working in this in the banking or, or insurance industries for you know twenty or sometimes even thirty years, and so they've you know for for twenty and and they're still learning, and mm-hmm. so for for twenty or thirty years, so the the people my clients are people who have been studying their subject for twenty or thirty years, and so for me to spend two years learning it, uh, it's been a, a tremendous education. I think I, I've learned more in two years working in this niche than, you know, 10 years of, of unspecialized work. Uh, isn't that interesting? It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of an invigorating learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, experts kind of make things look easy, but uh-huh. in, in doing so, there's so much skill that you don't see beneath the surface, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, um, uh, you know it, the the amount of work that uh, that I do. If if I compare now in, in my my more specialized work, if I compare that to two years ago when I was doing uh, more generalized work, mm-hmm. I, I, I still still work about the same. You know, if you take let's say I, I probably work about forty hours a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, two years ago I would be working let's say uh, you know thirty hours facing the client and 10 hours on, you know, sharpening my saw or learning my trade or becoming better at the subject or whatever. Right. Now I, I still, so the total was, was 40 hours per week and I still work those 40 hours per week. It's just that instead of, you know, 30 hours being client facing, maybe just five hours are client facing and, you know, 35 hours will be uh, sitting around in a cafe or, or, uh, you know, somewhere, uh, reading an annual report or, you know, reading an industry report from some banking consultant. Uh, it's, it's still 40 hours. Uh, I personally prefer the, the second method a lot more because, uh, I, you know, th- what, what that means is that instead of, sitting in front of the client and having to be, you know, on and personable and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can sit, I can sit in a bar or cafe and, and drink a beer on a Monday afternoon and, uh, and, and read, you know, the financial statements from a bank or something. And, uh, I, I totally prefer the, the second method and, uh, you know, compared to the, compared to the previous one. You know, that brings up a question that I was going to ask you later on. Um, mm. You are obviously not billing by the hour because, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're spending five hours, yeah. uh, quote unquote, billable time, uh, uh, you wouldn't, your hour, your hourly rate would be much, 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 much higher uh, or you just would not be making as much money. So have you made any correct. changes that make oh, that absolutely. work? Uh, in, in the, to, to, to make it work. 
uh, I had to go from uh, had to go from you know the hourly work, which in, in you know for, for my business I call it uh, the button seat work, right. uh, which is you know you, you have to be uh, you get paid when you're sitting in a chair in front of the client. That that's when you get paid, and if right. the if the session gets canceled, you don't get paid. Uh, so I had had to go from that to uh, uh, to uh, a project based, or, or we, we've started to experiment a little bit with uh, retainer based work now too. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you do the the project based or the retainer based work, uh, it, the, the the main thing that it required from us was uh, to switch our focus towards. Uh, what problem are we solving? You know, when, when you're doing hourly work, it's it's it, for, for us at least it was it was very much you know a question of okay let's let's utilize our tools for a couple hours, uh, mm-hmm. and the tools in our instance we're doing presentation training. Mm-hmm. The the tools would be, you know, the coursework of of a presentation training course. Uh, instead, uh, in order to switch to to project and retainer based work. We had to to switch from, you know, hourly pay for using our tools to using those tools to solve a problem, and staying focused on you know what is the problem. That's the the the, the main thing that we need to do in order to to stay in that space of, uh, you know, doing project based or or retainer based work. Yeah, I I, I also sometimes refer to that as um, having a solutions focus. And, yeah, you know, in, yeah. the, in the technology space, uh, the word, the phrase so- solution provider uh, um, gets used so much that it, I think it kind of makes people a little queasy. But really, I mean, that's a pretty accurate description of what you are. You are a provider yeah. of a solution for yeah. a pretty specific problem. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's how you're framing your services as it sounds to me like is the solution to a problem rather than, um, you know, the input that solves that problem. Yeah. And that, uh, it's once, once you begin framing your service that way, it actually becomes a lot easier to, to sell the service because, you know, the, the client is, clients don't really care how you're going to solve the problem. They just want the problem solved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in our case, in banking and finance, it's the problem is often, you know, how do we explain this to our investors? You know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, they don't. They don't. They don't care. Like, if you are going to fix a leaky pipe, or build a car, or fly an airplane, or 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 do presentation training, they don't care how you're going to solve the problem. They just want the problem solved. And uh, if you walk into a room with a client and say, "Okay, well, here are the tools that we use," and why don't you pay us to use those tools? Then the client is sitting there and they're thinking they, they have to do the thinking of, okay, uh, what is my problem? Uh, are these tools going to solve the problem? If I pay this guy to come into the room and use the tools for a while, is the problem going to go away? All this thinking has to be done by the client. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the client already knows what the problem is that they're trying to solve. Uh, if you walk into the into there into the room with with a potential client, speaking the words that show them that you understand the problem and that you're going to solve the problem, they don't care how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. They just want the problem solved. So, a couple things I want to I want to try to go into more there. Uh, oh. First of all. It, from from the, speaking to the generalists in the audience who say, yeah, this sounds great, but does it really work? Uh, okay. or, or can it work for me? I see it works uh-huh. for you, Matt. Uh, can it work yeah. for me? Uh-huh. Um, do do clients really not care how how it's solved? I mean, can you have a conversation where you say, you know, if you have this problem, we can help. Uh, do you have to at any point get into how you do it? Or do they say, you know, Here's a blank check. Uh, put in, write yeah. in whatever amount you want. They, they, they don't give you a blank check, uh, uh, and, and they do want to know uh, how you're going to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, but but how you're going to do it is not their primary concern. Uh, I see. There's this, there, there's this uh, 
uh, one of the other the other positioning websites that I like a lot, uh, uh, you know, win without pitching, and and it's yes. uh, it's 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 targeted. Are you familiar with that one? Oh yeah, uh, I just Blair Ann's was really the original inspiration for me. Okay. Uh, uh, looking into positioning, um, and and just like you said, if in his. Uh, materials, it's like, you know, an eighth or a sixteenth of what he talks about. He has a really great system that he uses for helping creative agencies uh, yeah. raise their weights, get better clients. Positioning is a part of that. It's a foundational yeah. part of it. And just like you, I found that uh-huh. it kind of looked like, you know, a little uh, gopher hole in the ground, yeah. you know, a little hole yeah. about two or three inches big. And I was like, well, that's not a big subject. <laughs> And then you go into it, and there's this cavernous uh, network yeah. of topics yeah. and interesting things that all that you you find, you know, only by going through that little tiny hole. I, I, I want to uh, get to that in a in a second too. But back Good. to your your earlier question about uh, uh, about you know what what it is is the, does the client write you a blank check? And right. uh, in, in uh, one of the things that. Uh, Blair Ends talks about is, uh, he talks about the, I think he, what does he call them? Case, uh, process framed case studies is I think the, the phrase that he uses. Okay. And, uh, and his, his, I think what his, his main point there is a process framed case study is where you show the client, uh, in the past, this is how we solved a very similar problem for, one of our other clients. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, the client wants, I mean, the, the client is not writing you a blank check. The client wants to know that, okay, this guy that I'm about to give a large chunk of money to this guy, he's seen this problem before, and this is what the process is going to look like. You know, the, the client yeah. needs that, that bit of, uh, that bit of, uh, of, uh, comforting, uh, you know, late, late, late in the, in the sales cycle. Right. Uh, but, uh, um, but the, 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 the primary is, I think that, uh, one, one mistake that a lot of generalists seem to be using is c- certainly in our industry. And, and it, it looks like they do it in, in other industries too. Generalists tend to, to, to focus on the tools that they're using and their skills in implementing those tools and clients, uh, their primary focus is this is my problem and I want this problem solved there. When they look at you and your box of tools, their primary, their, their, their first thought when they look at you is, uh, will this, yeah, will this guy be able to solve this problem? Uh, can he speak the language of this problem? Does he understand me when I talk? And yeah, I have this vague notion that the tools that he uses are going to, to help solve the problem but the client is not sitting there wondering okay uh is this guy the best you know the the most skilled user of the tools that exists in the whole world that's that's not the client's concern at all right it's it's a bit like if you took a, your car in for repairs and the, the mechanic said sure uh why don't you come on over over here <laughs> and then they lay out about you know 50 different tools and then and they're they then look at you and say, "Okay, uh, you know, what do you think? Where should we? Yeah, where should we exactly. begin? Should should we undo this part yeah, first, exactly. or do you think maybe we should start over here?" I, I find that uh, uh, that actually, almost always, uh, clients will have uh, an idea, a, a, a self-diagnosed idea of what the problem is, and almost always that will not be the, the, the main problem. And, uh, at first when I, when I started seeing things this way, I had, I had, a a difficult, uh, confidence difficulty about, uh, speaking up and saying, well, actually, no, uh, I think you're mis, I, I think you're misdiagnosing the problem. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that the, 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 the real solution is not a, it's B. And how, how did you deal with that, that confidence issue? Because I know that's very common, uh, you know, especially as you kind of move up the food chain, you start dealing with people higher up in the organization, yeah. um, having the, the uh, confidence to say, 
exactly what you said. You know, maybe yeah, that's the, not really the problem. What What did you do to get over that? <laughs> I, uh, I just, I just, I, I tend to have uh, fairly high levels of confidence uh, that I've, you know, developed over the years in, uh-huh. in other aspects of life. Yeah. So, uh, so I just tapped into that spirit. It, it wasn't. Uh, there was no like specific faith in you know my particular line of work. It was just a generalized confidence. And uh, in, in that, uh, one of the first times that I ever had that 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 conversation, uh, it was with the CEO of one of the largest companies in the country. And uh, and, and so I and and I. I thought, man, as soon as I open my mouth, this guy is totally going to chop my head off. <laughs> right. and, and he's going to laugh while he chops me into little pieces. Uh, and, and I opened my mouth and I started speaking. And, and it, it, it rocked his world. Uh, okay. I, and I, I wasn't expecting that at all. But, uh, but I saw before my very eyes, the guy was like, wow, you understand the problem. Like, you understand the problem in ways that I didn't even know existed. Uh, and uh, we've had that experience a, a number of times where when, when as we've been, as we've been uh, specializing our business, uh, where uh, I'll just be thinking of me and usually my, my business partner too, we'll, we'll be thinking, man, as soon as we say this, they're going to totally realize how ridiculous and unfounded <laughs> it is and how like how we're total fakers and we have no right to be in the room. We have no <laughs> right to be talking like this. Who do we think we are? And we'll we'll open our mouths and they'll and they'll 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 be like, wow, that's the most brilliant thing we ever heard. And and uh, and and it, it it's we've been doing that you know for for over a year and it still throws us for a loop every time. And, and, you know, as far as pricing goes, sometimes we'll, we'll charge a a higher price for something than than we think is, 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 is warranted. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the higher price will get, will just get accepted without any negotiation at all. And we'll think, wow, uh, Next time we need to be able to make sure we charge more. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Remember that. But, 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 so, so it's just, uh, I, I think there's there's no ma- there's no magic key to to getting that confidence. You just have to start with whatever small step works for you. Uh, it, it, you know, wherever your comfort zone ends, just go you know half a step out of that, and then you'll realize that wow, I thought I was going to get killed. I'm still alive. The sun still comes comes up in the morning. Tomorrow I'm going to go out of my comfort zone again and just do it a half a step at a time. And it'll take a while. It might take a, a couple of years, but you, you'll be so glad you did. Yeah. How um, how do you get work primarily? Uh, new new business, not repeat business. There, there, there are two main ways. Uh, one is is word of mouth, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the that's the the main way that we get business actually. And uh, uh, word of mouth becomes. A lot easier uh, the, the more and more specialized you get. Uh, you know, when, when you're not specialized, word of mouth is extremely difficult because mm-hmm. you know people are you know they they're trying to solve a million problems every day, and your problem number million and one, and so word of mouth doesn't spread. But mm-hmm. when when you're when you're very specialized, you know person in industry in 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 your industry person a will hear person b speaking and person b will be saying hey i'm trying to solve this problem and person a will think wow there's one guy i know who can solve that problem and that guy is blah 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 mm-hmm. and and then person b calls you up and they don't even they don't even ask questions they'll just be like hey I have prob- a problem X, Y, Z, and I hear you can solve it. I hear you're the only guy in town who can solve it. So can you help me out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's method number one, uh, okay. word of mouth, which is you know probably uh, 70% of our business or more. Uh, uh, n- other, another uh, 
uh, way that we that we get business is by uh, uh, we hold uh, seminars for uh, that that are kind of quasi public access. Uh, okay. They are for our clients or friends of our clients, and uh, and the. One of the there's there's a little educational content, you know, you know, one of us will be standing up in front of the room talking about something. But the the main benefit for the for the clients, I think, is that they get to network with each other mm. and uh, they love it because they get to network with each other. People have a natural human beings have a natural desire to connect with human beings and uh, provide them with, with with an opportunity to do that. And uh and they'll just start they'll associate your business with something good in their life and mm. so when they have a problem they'll they'll be happy to call you interesting um so back to the word of mouth i'm curious if you can you know taking out names and identifying details but can you kind of uh walk through a word of mouth scenario because i yeah here's here's what i'm afraid uh people are maybe thinking when they hear you talking about word of mouth, they're thinking okay. um, someone runs out into the street and just yells Matt Krause over and over again. And, you know, you <laughs> must hire Matt Krause. And that's, <laughs> that's not what word of mouth is, but I, uh, I fear that a lot of us have a sort of cartoonish idea of how it works. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of, you know, paint in the details a little bit more about how that, how that has worked yeah. for you. Um, it's uh it's word of mouth uh, uh is is very much a uh, uh one-on-one personal exchange and you know I'll do work for for person A and person A will love what that work is doing for for him mm-hmm. and so he'll introduce me to his best friend who works in a, a different company in a similar industry. And, uh, and, and so he'll introduce me to person B and then person B will become my client mm-hmm. because, you know, friends who work in similar industries face very similar problems. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, it becomes extremely easy to sell to person B. Uh, in fact, uh, you don't even with with word of mouth, you don't even have to do the selling. The client A, person A, will, will do the selling. And so basically, you just take out your calendar for person B and uh, and say when when would you like to start? Right. And then and then per- person A or person B will introduce you to person C, and person C will be either be uh, uh, a client of person A or B or a friend of person A or B or, or something like that. Uh, so uh, it, word of mouth, uh, it, you know, I, I, I used to think that word of mouth was uh, uh, a, much, a much looser thing where, uh, uh, you know, the, the distance between person A and person B would be like maybe maybe they were casual friends and maybe they talked to each other once or twice, but actually uh, I've I've found that the the most successful uh, word of mouth comes from people who hang out on an almost weekly basis, and when you're when you're very specialized, uh, that word of mouth will be will be will be very valuable. Mm-hmm. Couple of questions to kind of uh, tie back to th- things we mentioned earlier. So uh-huh. you you said you know when you were more in the in the generalist mode of operating, mm-hmm. you had an affinity for people who are now your your target market. Um, had you how did that mm-hmm. how did you notice that? Did you know these people socially? Did you have one or two clients in the financial services industry, and and that was your clue that this was an interesting market? Um, something else. Uh, how did you first I, notice that affinity? How I first noticed it was uh, almost almost by accident. I was uh, 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 back in in business number two, 
So let's say that if, if, if the current one, if presentation training is business number three, mm-hmm. uh, business number two, which was the teaching English, uh, I started to realize that, uh, or kind of one day or over the space of a couple of weeks, I started to realize that, oh, wait a minute, uh, 80% of my clients are from banks and the other 20% are from consumer product supply chain mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm not trying to do anything. It's just kind of happening that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when when it came when it came time for for us to specialize in business number three with, with the presentation training, I thought back to to business number two and uh, thought, oh wait, uh, for some reason I'm not quite sure why, but for some reason I seem to have a natural affinity for these people. And so this is this is where we're going to plant our stake in the ground in, mm-hmm. in the financial services area. When you did that, so it was just kind of a an accidental thing. I see. When you did that, um, did you feel like that that there was any risk <laughs> that you were taking a risk, or I mean, did you have to get through any kind of emotional stuff to to follow through on that decision? Yeah. Again, it's uh, uh, it's 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 it is kind of a, a leap of faith, and, and like you, you were describing earlier, you know the the, the Blair ends thing, and mm-hmm. and and how specializing is kind of like a uh, it looks like a gopher hole, and then all, you get inside and you realize that it's a huge cavern. Yeah. You know when 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 we uh, you know with a couple of years ago when we started working together for for business number three. Uh, you know, we, we, we were generalists and we thought, oh, you know, the whole world is our oyster. Uh, (laughs) every human being wants to, you know, communicate with other people. And and we would, we would, you know, be talking to, you know, somebody from company X, Y, Z, and they would say, oh yeah, we do presentations all the time. And, and my business partner and I would think, oh, the world is our oyster. They right. do presentations all the time. Oh, my God. We're just basically swimming in demand here. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but for us, it was over the space of a year or so uh, where we, we realized, okay, in order to, to raise our rates, we're going to need to specialize. And so we, uh, we started specializing and specializing more and more and more until we were specializing, you know, uh, in a, a market that uh, only has probably about six companies in it, and uh, uh, and right. what, are you saying? I'm sorry to interrupt. You're saying six um, clients that you could work with, or six uh, other, you know, five other vendors and you. Six, six, six clients, six potential clients, uh, and actually, uh, so, so, so. Uh, now that we get into it and start seeing the cavern, that six becomes uh, a lot more. But at the, at, oh, at the time, gotcha. it looked like six, about six clients. And you know, so so in this transition, we were we went from this this oh the world is our oyster, our market is everybody. <laughs> oh my God, the world is so big. There are seven billion people. We there will be work for the rest of our lives. And uh, <laughs> and then and then you know over the space of a year, we 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 start specializing and then all of a sudden there were, there were only six potential clients and, and uh, we were both like, Oh my God, you know what? The world is so small now. What are we going to do? But right. once, once you start specializing, uh, you become uh, the, you become the, one of the only people who can, who can address that, that industry. And, right. and, most, most industries are actually quite huge. Uh, um, you know, you, you might see from, from where you're standing now, you, you might, in our case, you might see only, you know, six companies. But once you start working with those six companies, you realize, oh, my God, those, those six companies, they work with 18 other companies. And so then all of a sudden there's 24 companies. And, mm. and then, then you realize, and there's a, there's a great saying that I, I like. I think it comes from either Blair Enns or, or somebody that he, he works with in the, Creative services uh, positioning market. Uh, uh, can't, uh, David David C Baker uh, recourses. Have you mm-hmm. have you ever heard of him? 
Okay. Yes. So, yes. So, so I, I don't know. If, I think it's probably one of one of one of the two of them. But uh, there's this saying that I like: uh, experts travel, uh, and mm. uh, and and the, their their admonition is that uh, if if you're if most of your business is local, then you're you're probably not specializing enough. So, you know, we see. Uh, you know these six companies here in Istanbul, and then and then 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 we get start getting into the cavern and realize, oh, those six companies they work with eighteen other companies, and now there's twenty four companies in Istanbul, and then you have the skill set that uh, that people start to find, and then you realize that oh, we're not just working in Istanbul now, we can work in uh, you know Amsterdam, or we can work in New York, or we can work in anywhere else in the world. Anywhere there's uh, somebody in our niche, in our in our case, mm-hmm. our, our niche is financial companies, and so then all all of a sudden now now the world is your oyster. And where you know a few months ago it looked like there was just six companies, now there's like this whole world of companies, and you can serve them a lot better because um, because you understand their problems in a way that a generalist never will. Yeah, you're you're almost describing what sounds like an optical illusion in how you yeah. how we perceive an opportunity. It's like we see. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I think of the Flatiron Building in New York City, which uh-huh. is this really long, narrow, wedge-shaped yeah. building. And if if you, yeah. I guess, were at a certain point on the street, it just would look like a little tiny building. But it's actually quite uh-huh. large when you yeah when you really understand the you know the shape of it. It sounds like something similar happened with you. Yeah, I think that uh, the the idea that uh, if you specialize, first of all, uh, specializing requires a huge amount of learning uh, and a lot of creativity. I will not uh, tell anybody that it's easy. I would never say in a million years that specializing is easy. You'll have to do a lot of work to do it. Right. But... This, this fear that this very common fear that uh, that your your world will actually become smaller that is totally wrong. I mm-hmm. disagree with that entirely. Well, and as you suggested earlier, uh, it's it it's not easier. It but it does redistribute how you apply your effort because you know when you're telling me that seventy uh, percent of your work comes from word of mouth, that mm-hmm. basically other people selling for you <laughs> who also yeah. Um, you don't have to pay. In fact, they pay you. That's pretty, pretty efficient from a sales and marketing perspective. And, um, so I, you know, I know that generalists, uh, because I was one for, you know, around five years, uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes don't have to do a lot of selling, but they do hit that panic uh, button every once in a while and, and sit down and, you know, burn 10, 20 hours trying to hustle up the next, the next job. And, and you're not doing that at yeah. all. It sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, the, the sales for, for us, the sales has gone from in, in two years, it's gone from a process of, uh, Oh, thank God. Somebody called us. Oh, let's go try to prove to them that we're worthy. That was how we, that was our, our, our positioning, you know, two, two years ago. And now, now our positioning is, uh, person A recommended us to person B. Let's go talk to person B and see if, if, if we're going to be able to find any room for this person at all. Uh, and, uh, so, the 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 nature of the sales game or the, the frame that you use uh, to you know represent the sales game to yourself that's that that's that that will change dramatically I think yeah okay um, Matt this has been a super fascinating conversation and um, I, I've enjoyed I, it too thank you <laughs> I know people are uh, maybe going to think that I uh, I don't know. I, I set you up as a shill to <laughs> shill for positioning, but really, uh-huh. uh, you're someone who's on my mailing list. And you know, we started emailing back and forth, and it it just became apparent that you have a really interesting story, and and you kind of arrived at this through your own uh, investigations of what would work and what wouldn't work for your business. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a really cool story. Uh, how can people find out more about you or if they have questions about positioning, maybe, you know, how could they well, ask my, you directly? 
Yeah, my uh, my website is mattkraus.com, M-A-T-T-K-R-A-U-S-E.com. And uh, that's my personal website. And there's there are uh, up on the, the top of the page, you know, there's there's the menu bar and the menu bar has a link to my business websites uh, and uh, some other stuff, I think. But uh, mattkraus.com is the hub where you can always find me. It's It's been that way for, you know, 15 years. Uh, and uh, uh, and. Also, uh, I would be happy to talk to anybody who, any of your listeners who uh, want to contact me directly by email or Skype or whatever. So any of your listeners, or if you want to follow up, I'm always happy to talk about the subject. That's great. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your insight and, and for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And, and thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Matt Kraus. You can find Matt online at mattkraus.com. Just a brief show note. Matt approached me after season one had wrapped. So this episode is really a sort of interstitial episode as far as my uh, season structure for my podcast goes. I hope you really enjoyed it. I am still working on season two, which is around the theme of content marketing for time or resource constrained consultants. I think we're looking at uh, a mid to late spring 2016 uh, launch date for season two. If you're on my list, you'll get a heads up, of course. And if you're not on my list, head over to positioningcrashcourse.com and sign up there for a nice free email course on positioning and you will get integrated into my list in short order. While you're waiting for season two, if you have enjoyed or benefited from this program, please leave a note in iTunes or tell your business buddies about it. To leave a review, search the iTunes store for Consulting Pipeline Podcast, click on the podcast cover art, click ratings and reviews, click the rightmost of the gray stars next to click to rate, and if you're feeling extra generous, click write a review button and leave a short positive review. You can find more episodes of this podcast at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you next time.